welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi friends, welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast, our opportunity to have great conversations and reflect on the incredibly important work of serving as an Ed Leader. I'm your host, Rob Jackson. The implications of the unprecedented challenge of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic continues to consume our work, just as the stories of heroic actions of educators in feeding hungry children and scaling up remote learning motivate us to keep pushing forward. If you have not, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any podcast player that you enjoy using. Show notes, including resources that are mentioned on today's episode, are available at drrobjackson.com. On today's episode, I'm joined virtually by two amazing school counselors who share their work and what we need to be considering to support children and families. They are each in their seventh year of service as a school counselor. Mrs. Katie Milligan serves as the school counselor for White Oak Elementary School, a school serving students in grades pre-kindergarten through second grade. Mrs. Jennifer Cobb serves as one of the school counselors at John A. Holmes High School, a high school located in northeastern North Carolina serving students in grades 9 through 12. It promises to be a great episode, an amazing conversation, and an opportunity for all of us to reflect on our practice to continue to do our very best for our students. Let's get to it. Hi, Katie. Hey, Dr. Jackson. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Dr. Jackson. <laughs> you two are both so polite. You're more than welcome to call me Rob, and I want you both to know how much I appreciate you spending some time with me today. I know that each of you are incredibly busy taking care of our students and staff members, and you're both very busy because you have school-aged children. And so just like many educators across the country and probably around the world, you're having to balance your duties as mom with your duties as educators. And so I, I very much want you to know how much I respect you and how much I appreciate what you're doing for so many people including keeping this superintendent's heart at ease because I know that you're both looking out for our students and staff and colleagues across the district are as well. Katie, let's start with you. You work in a pre-K through second grade school, and so you work with our youngest students. How are our students and staff doing, and, and what is kind of the feeling that you're getting back from them, those that you might see in person? I know that's a limited number, and those you're kind of working with virtually. Dr. Jackson, I cannot tell you how impressed I have been by the staff at White Oak. And I'm sure that goes for all schools, but White Oak's the one that I can talk about. So over the past two weeks, our teachers have had a totally change the way they deliver instruction. And considering our audience where they're so young, you know, we have to think, okay, are they, can they be successful at this? And our teachers, you know, they, they didn't say, I can't, I can't. They said, okay, I can, I will. 
and obviously that's with great leadership from you and, and our principal, Sheila Evans and Michelle Newsom. But it's been absolutely amazing to see how our staff has adjusted and then risen to that challenge to meet the needs of our children, even when they're not in our building. And the feeling I've gotten from our parents is that they want to know how to help their child. And they are communicating with teachers, whether it's, you know, email or through an app or through Facebook or through text. I mean, so it's been really cool to see how the parents, they do want to help their child be successful and want to go about it the right way. So it's been neat to see everyone come together in that respect. Excellent. And I've gotten that same feeling as I've been around members of the staff at White Oak Elementary School, again, our school that serves our students in pre-K through second grade. And Jennifer, as Katie serves our youngest students, you serve our oldest students. You serve at the high school. How are folks doing at the high school, Jennifer? I think everybody at the high school is doing the best that they can do at this point. It's definitely a different ball game at the high school in terms of, you know, we have a woodworking class and we also have English and, and then you may have, you know, our foods and nutrition class. And so trying to figure out how we're going to do that, first of all, remotely, or if the child does not have Wi-Fi, how would we figure out how to, you know, send work home in that kind of uh, situation? But our teachers, just like Katie was talking about, have really stepped up to the plate and to figure out all sorts of ways. Just today, you know, I was on Google Meet with Rhonda Tench and Gwen Houston, and we were talking back and forth, trying to figure out how to use Google Voice on my computer because I had set up a number for parents to text me and, and call, and but I wanted to be able to do it from my computer as well. So I think we're all kind of working together you know, to figure those things out. And Mrs. Warren, she's posted a, you know, videos of her cooking and, but we're just all kind of working together. Our assistants were there today. You know, today was our packet drop-off day and our assistants were, I mean, busy, you know, with their mask on and their gloves and, and picking up packets and getting more stuff, you know, for students and, you know, passing out meals to, I mean, we just kind of have a little bit of everybody is pulling together at this point and, and then just being creative and sharing. I mean, we've had teachers sharing how they're doing this and and, you know, how we're just kind of trying to all get it around, but we're still trying to wrap our head around it because some students, you know, of, especially at the high school age are, are watching over other siblings That's right. or they're having That's to right. work or their parents have moved them out of Edenton at this point. You know, they may be um, gone to Virginia or so forth. So the high school is just a completely different dynamic for so many different reasons. So we're just kind of trying to juggle all of that and figure out what's best for each child. And that's a little bit more difficult since we're having to reach out to each child for each class versus just one child, you know, would be able to finish this assignment on class, but they can't necessarily do the woodworking, you know, that's, that's kind of where we are right now, but everybody's being positive. And, and I love and that. I love that you echo that. That's what I've certainly seen at the high school. And I just appreciate so much of what you both said in terms of the caring way our staff members across the school system have approached this, the collaboration. Jennifer, you mentioned teachers helping you figure out Google Voice, and I appreciate the, the courage of each of us to say, I don't know how to use that yet, but with your help, okay. I can learn. And so we're all helping each other. And so I very much appreciate that. Well, before we kind of get into your roles as counselors, I want to kind of 
pause and ask you about something I kind of mentioned a moment ago because I'm really interested in it. As you both know, my children are now in their early 20s, and so I don't have school-aged children at home anymore, but my heart goes out to all of those educators, well, all of our parents who have school-aged children at home trying to balance work life and helping their children with their lessons. But in particular, how are the two of you doing trying to be educator, counselor, and mom. Katie, how's that working out for you? You have a couple of young ones. Yes, sir. Uh, Your question makes me tired just thinking about my answer. (laughs) I've got two very young children. I have a two-year-old and then a proud kindergartner at White Oak, and I am very type A, like to know my schedule, like to know my routine. I find comfort in that. And so for me personally, adjusting to that has been kind of difficult, but I think we're getting there. So I started working remotely from home earlier this week, and we have definitely had our struggles, but I'm I even made a copy of our little clip chart and Charlie has it in his room and we are, you know, sending pictures back and forth to his amazing teacher, Miss Chapel. So we will, I'll get up in the morning. I work on my laptop for about two hours while they're eating their breakfast and chilling out. We'll stop and then Charlie starts his schoolwork for about two hours and then we eat lunch together and then I'm very thankful my two-year-old takes amazing naps. Thank you, thank you. And so, and he's sleeping right now. So, So anyway, I get a lot done in the afternoons and then we play together, eat dinner. And then after dinner, I work again until about 930. So I am chunking it and trying. And I think I'm having to be more diligent at trying to turn things off when I'm not working. And so I can be a mom during that time and then tuning back in because it's so easy with our devices to stay hooked up 24-7. We're figuring it out. Yes, sir. I love that. And I love what you were talking about, the courage to turn it off. And certainly I would encourage all of us to be able to do that because there's some important messaging around self-care, and we may get into that, but just being able to stop and be mom is so very important. Our personal children deserve that, and so I certainly applaud that. Now, Jennifer, you have children in, in multiple schools, and you're also taking care of all of our students and really working with our seniors. How are you making that work for you? Well, um, my personal children, I have a 10-year-old that's in fourth grade. I have an 11-year-old in sixth grade, and I have a 14-year-old in ninth grade. So their schedules are completely different in terms of the type of of activities that that they are completing. Plus their personalities are very different. Prior to this week, so last week and and the majority of this week, I have spent at school. Therefore, I'm not getting home until after three. And my mother was here for a while kind of helping out. But now 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 that she's not, I'm having to make sure that the last couple of days I've left a little bit later just to make sure that my oldest is awake. You know, 14 year olds, they can sleep till 12 o'clock. So, (laughs) and so I'm trying to, you know, kind of work through some of those things, but because all three are different in terms of how they uh, like to do their schoolwork that I haven't been able to say like from nine to 10, you need to work on this. And from 12 to, you know, two, you work on this. It's just, it's not been, you know, very feasible for us. I'm having to basically have a different schedule for each child. And I have been looking at the weather because it makes a a bigger difference for my kids. So if it is pretty, then I really would like to kind of have everything done by one. And then they spend at least an hour outside. And I don't don't care what they're doing. If they're just walking around the house, if they're hitting fall, they're jumping on the trampoline, they have to be outside. The fresh air, I think, is important since they're not able to be with their friends. 
conditions. And that's, you know, one of the biggest things there is to make sure that they're having some sort of fresh air at some point. So I guess I'm doing a lot of differentiation <laughs> um, with all of those, <laughs> as well as, of course, you know, being a short order cook, they're always, you know, needing meals and stuff like that. But I just think flexibility and like Katie said, for sure, is, you know, turning off my phone and or leaving it in my room while I'm outside and different things like that. Because if not, I could constantly be connected, whether it's by, you know, the thousands of emails I feel like I get a week or just having, you know, somebody text or so forth. But I think that's one of the, the other things. I'm going to start working more remotely now from home since my mother's not here. And I think that I'm going to have to chunk it for myself as well. You know, two hours spending doing this and the daunting process of registering, you know, all these students. I've been doing some at night with parents that I knew. So then that way it would made it a little bit easier so that if we made mistakes, I could cut, we could kind of fix them and kind of work out the kink. And right. so I think that's what I'm going to have to do is, you know, spend an hour calling and registering students. And then the next hour I can check emails and respond to people. And then the next 15 minutes spend with my kids and making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So it's just about flexibility and it, it is, it is difficult, but I think, you know, we're all in the same, you know, boat as long as I can be flexible, and not get upset with, with them or myself because it's the, the schedule doesn't work. <laughs> well, and that's it. And, and you hit on so many things there. I mean, with multiple children, differentiating is certainly very important. The eldest child tends to be different than the youngest child, different than the middle middle child. That birth order thing is, is real. At least it was in my family as we were raising our four children. And so I appreciate that differentiation. And both of you kind of mentioned that need for flexibility and balance and putting away devices. And that's so important for all of us, just for self-care purposes. Well, Jennifer, let's start with you on this one. So you mentioned Google Voice. How are you as a school counselor trying to support students? What are the kinds of things that you're doing just to check on our kids? Well, at first, as I was in the office, I was doing a whole lot of more emailing and then just calling parents. And then uh, if I had the students' cell phone numbers, I was calling them or, or asking the parents, can you give me your child's cell phone number? And then I just wanted to hear their voice. And, and that's one thing that Karen Pruden, my other co-counselor and I are doing, is we don't have to hear their voice every week. But initially, we we feel like that we need to hear their voice. I sent out a list of questions to all of our teachers as well, just different things that we could find out. Because just because a child won't tell me, they may tell, you know, Mrs. Spear or, you know, they may tell Mrs. Massey more things about what they're fearful of or, you know, that maybe this whole thing is weirded out or they don't understand things. And so that's one way that, that Mrs. Pruden and I are, are trying to make sure that, that we're just reaching out to each one of the students. And, and we're still working on it. I mean, I have 300, over 300 on my caseload, so I certainly haven't talked to everyone yet. But I am, you know, working through my list and, and kind of keeping a spreadsheet on what days that I talk to them. So then therefore I can kind of move from there. But right now we're just trying to make sure, you know, to let them know about the meals, to make sure that they can get the, you know, the packets or the Wi-Fi or what is it that they're having trouble with. And, you know, as I've had conversations with, you know, some students already with their, their parents being laid off or, you know, other big deals, you know, for them. So just trying to, you know, talk to them about that. And, and one of the biggest things I keep telling them is making sure they have fresh air, you know, especially kids that don't have a large yard. I'm like, just at least open a window right. if it's nice outside, because this whole, you know, confinement is not good for anyone and telling them to, to, to not stay on their device all day. Uh, that's right. you know, one of the other things I think that we're, we're really pushing for that at least from, from our end. And I'm just trying to make sure, you know, how their well-being is at this point. And for my seniors, especially, you know, asking them questions like, okay, so have you gotten your financial aid letter back, you know, at this point, have we made a decision about where we're going, you know, and talking about the next steps in terms of orientation, putting down deposits and, you know, those things I would be doing if I was seeing them at school. So just kind of 
trying to go through those you know questions and the Google Voice is something that Karen had set up first Mrs. Pruden had set up first and I just got that straight and then I can call from my cell phone but now I wanted to you know learn how to do it on the computer today and and text and those kind of because kids don't really want to talk to me after a while they want to text you know if they've got a question those are the kind of things that 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 I've been doing in terms of you know checking in on them and, and some of the ones that are very anxious I mean they will talk to me about that and the things that they're anxious about are real world problems it's individual of course you know how we talk to each one of them but in general finding the the big things out and just of course hearing their voices because most of the time I can figure things out based on their voice that's right and I appreciate that because the calendar keeps turning the clock keeps ticking and college starting is coming up for our seniors and I've certainly heard about concerns from the seniors and the parents about things like graduation and prom and all of those big things and and I've committed certainly to doing anything we can and everything we can to help ensure our students have something we don't know what that is we don't know when it will be but but something there and you know because those are concerns for them and I appreciate what you're doing to reach out but you're reaching out to students who range from say 14 to maybe 21 if they're in the exceptional children's program and that's certainly a limited number Katie you're dealing with children who are four to what seven eight years old maybe how are you reaching out to support our very youngest students what does that look like for you working with younger kids. Well, first of all, I wanted to say my heart does go out to our high schoolers because I do think that our seniors and juniors, this has been, I know, hard for them and our high school in general is that this is a big and important time in their life. When I'm reaching out to families at White Oak, I'm thinking more about the family unit than the child in particular, where because I'm serving children of such young age, where they are dependent upon an adult caregiver. So keeping that in mind, I believe that reaching out to agencies within the community is key to supporting our families during this critical time. And that's when I love the county in which I live, being in Chuan County, where we truly are such a small, close-knit community where we all come together for the betterment of our children and, and families. So an ex- a few examples of that have been with Biden Chuan Hospital, where they have donated supplies where White Oak Elementary School distributed 150 assorted hygiene bags that included shampoo, conditioner, soap, deodorant, toothbrush, toothpaste, and floss. So we were able to distribute those items to children after they were no longer able to attend school on our campus. I also was able to reach out to our food pantry to ensure that Book Bag Buddies was able to continue, which is a weekend kid-friendly meal to help children living in food insecure households. At White Oak Elementary School, that is a total of about 75 children. At D.F. Walker Elementary School, it is about 50 children. And at Chon Middle School, it is about 30 children. So we are really excited that we are able to continue our partnership with the food pantry and serve those children who need that food support in their houses. Another way we have reached out to agencies in our area is through Abemarle Regional Health Services to try to get online Triple P. Triple P stands for a positive parenting program where parents can go online to receive helpful hints and pointers to help keep it positive while you're at home during these extremely stressful times when parents are probably worried about very adult concerns, but also the children, they are confused and worried about, you know, their own individual matters because they just found out they're not coming back to school until May 15th. So with Triple P Online, I participated in a webinar today where I learned that residents in North Carolina 
are offered in online code for free, whereas in other states, this costs about $80 per family per code. So I feel like that is an amazing asset to residents in North Carolina that we would like to capitalize on to help our young families in Chowan County. And then I have been able to make one-on-one contact with families near and dear to my heart by utilizing a cell phone that was given to me by administration at White Oak. But I think that keying into our community in which we live to support our families and children has been a way that I have communicated with students at White Oak during this time. Well, and I know about both of you that you're prioritizing making those calls because you each have large caseloads with a number of students and families you're supporting, and, and you each know those students where there's a potential for neglect and, God forbid, for abuse, and I know you're prioritizing who you're reaching out to. If you had the opportunity to share with superintendents, including the one that loves you so much, me, what should superintendents be considering as they're making these big, huge decisions and really decisions that none of us could have ever imagined making in our careers? They certainly never taught us about what to do when we close school for eight weeks in the middle of the year, and we're figuring it out as we go. But taking it from the perspective of school counselor, Katie, what should superintendents be thinking about? What message would you have for superintendents? That's a big question. I don't know. I feel like we are building the plane as we're going. And, you know, in education, we try not to do that, right? <laughs> we want we want to reflect. We want research-based. We want facts. We want data. We want all of those things. And in this case, you know, we kind of, the unknown is what makes it so scary. I don't know, Dr. Jackson. I mean, I so appreciate your communication of what you've been doing with our community and as a staff, the open communication so that we know where we are as a county. Because I think within North Carolina, each county's different depending on what's going on. I don't know if I have a good answer for that question, Dr. Jackson. And you had a good answer because I do think that communication with all stakeholders, internal staff and external community. I do think that's really important. Jennifer, what do you think? What should superintendents know from a counselor's perspective? There's a couple things kind of came to mind when Katie was talking. And one of the first things is, of course, is I think we should do what's best for all students. And I think that you do a great job of that as well as, you know, who's going to make a decision that's not best for all students. But in sometimes, you know, we you leave out certain groups when you make a decision that's best for all students. And I think this is a time that we have to be more sensitive to all different types of groups instead of what's best for the majority because of the fact of just the way the world is going at this time and and everybody is on edge and more anxious and those kind of things. So I think that making a decision that's best for everyone, we still need to think about the other groups and how we're going to kind of work those in. And the other thing is, is not necessarily for each county, if I was going to make a suggestion to other superintendents to, you know, you can use what other counties are doing, but don't compare your county to another one. Just because we have so many different needs in different places and, you know, when I, I talk to my sister-in-law and, and they're in Raleigh and, and they're talking about different Wi-Fi. And, you know, and I just kind of laugh. I'm like, some of our kids, it doesn't matter if they want Wi-Fi and they can afford Wi-Fi, they still can't get Wi-Fi in northern part of, the, you know, Chowan. So I think we just have to think about, you know, what, what our county is doing and, and what we can best do for our students, not necessarily what other places are doing. So that would one thing I would say. And when you make a decision, get stakeholders' opinion or their input, not necessarily their opinion, but, you know, their input in terms of some decisions of what we're going to do. And, and 
and in our situation, you know, when you make decisions, it's we're going from pre-K all the way, you know, to high school students. So that's the one thing I, I guess I would suggest for superintendents is to just think about it that way. Absolutely. And, you know, and you highlighted the need for really thinking about students as individuals, because one of the issues hidden in all of this is the equity issue, the equity issue around high quality internet access. As you mentioned, in some rural areas, including parts of our county, there is no internet access and it's not a matter of poverty. It's just not available. And certainly that's a statewide issue that as a state we're going to have to address. But then even within an area where there may be Wi-Fi, there's still equity issues. And so trying to figure out how we can support those students, whether that's through hotspots or some other mechanism becomes really important. But what about teachers? What should our teachers be mindful of as they're building these new lessons, as they are putting together new ways of learning? And of course, they're having to learn themselves and they're doing something brand new. And I'm just so impressed with all of our teachers, the way they're approaching this task that none of us could have imagined they would have. From a counselor's perspective, thinking about students, what should our teachers bear in mind as they're putting these lesson plans together? Katie, what do you think they need to be thinking about? A conversation that came up with us was, you know, when they are at school, they're with us for about seven hours during the day. However, it's not feasible for some parents to devote seven hours during their day on their child's education because of work and and whatever and they and if they can work they still need to work so we were thinking about if a t two different possible schedules you know maybe one that's all day that includes those breaks a walk outside like Jennifer was saying that kind of thing and then an alternate B schedule where hey if I get home at five o'clock I can do and get everything done hit the high points in two and a half hours two hours so thinking about all of your families and the family dynamics and the communities in which you serve, where parents have to work. They need to work to be able to provide for their family. So I think making considerations based on that. So that is something that we tried to address at our school. Excellent. I absolutely agree. Jennifer, what do you think? What should teachers be mindful of and thoughtful about as they're approaching their lesson planning during this time? For our high school kids, at this point, students have kind of figured out what their learning style is, and some of it is not online um, <laughs> at all. So just because they have access to a phone and they can text and, you know, they do all those kind of things, snap, does not mean that they enjoy doing work online. So um, the fact that, you know, our teachers can give them options, even if you have Wi-Fi, if you prefer to do the paper packets versus the other, and then just maybe watch some of my teaching videos. I think we just have to be mindful that, you know, some kids don't learn as well remotely. We're going to see a big discrepancy now between that and how that works for, for some students that I thought the most about in terms of for our teachers is just to kind of realize and, and just to kind of keep thinking about how that's going to work, especially with modifications as well. How are, we, how are we going to, you know, put those modifications in place and they're not there to read aloud to them or, you know, they can definitely modify the assignments, of course, but some of the other things that, that need to occur. And that's the thing I think we need to kind of keep thinking about. As Absolutely. Teachers. Well, the two of you have just been so incredibly kind with your time and I very much appreciate it. We have a very small school system, just four schools, but we have just incredible counselors five of the very best in the world and I don't want my superintendent friends to send you guys business cards because I want to keep you right here in our school system but I know there's wonderful school counselors throughout education in our state across our country and around the world and I certainly appreciate the role you play every single day in quote-unquote normal
normal times, but particularly during this time when there's so much stress in the world. Thank you for what you're doing, for helping all of us keep the main thing the main thing. And so again, thank you for your time. Thank you for the work you're doing. And I would encourage you to both take your own advice, which is find that balance and flexibility and the time to put away devices and prioritize your own children. Katie, Jennifer, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed our time together with Mrs. Milligan and Mrs. Cobb, Katie and Jennifer. I really appreciated the strategies they shared with us and the considerations we need to spend time thinking about in terms of supporting our students and staff during this pandemic. The resources they mentioned during the conversation are linked along with show notes to this episode and others at drrobjackson.com. My challenge to you as fellow ed leaders is to listen carefully to the needs of those around us, to respond with care and compassion, grace and mercy, to be as transparent, to be as honest and forthcoming as we possibly can be in this moment where so many are operating from a place of fear. In that moment, ed leaders have the opportunity to hold back the chaos, to serve with love and compassion, and be the difference that our students and staff members need. Thank you for spending time with me today, and thank you for all that you do for every student, every teacher, and every staff member. You are making a difference. If no one else has told you, I want you to know that I believe in you. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Ed Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.